Nice digs. Now follow me. We'll have to go around the back through the basement door. Here we are. Stay behind me and don't wander off anywhere. Seems pretty dark. Hope I don't fall and have to sue someone who seems to be very rich. Get your ass down here. Brick could be in some serious trouble. All right, all right. I'm not coming. Anything happened to me on the Well, can't you see I'm busy in here? Right on. Mama. Mama. Mm, isn't this scary? <laughs> no. Hey guys, what's cooking? Brick, what the hell happened to you? Well, my man, Norman's wife is a very powerful woman. Not to mention she has some good wrist action with that belt. Did you tell her it was the wrong type of belt? No, I thought I'd save that line for a less opportune moment, moron. Do you mind digging me out of here? I don't know, Brick. You look good being buried up to your neck in dirt. Did I mention that your complexion looks very natural aujourd'hui? I see she left you some ice to munch on because of your iron deficiency. Yeah, I still have a craving for some Venetian blind dirt crust as well. Don't we all? Vic and Norman started to dig me out. Minutes later, I was on all fours and almost out of the woods. I got up. Norman undid the straitjacket and I stretched my arms out. So, how did you manage to get yourself into this situation? Just in one of those moods? Vic, would you uh, get the dirt off my back? Well, I went down this trap. Stop hitting so hard! All right, Curly Joe. And then I slid down here into a straitjacket and was beaten with gin and inch of my life. With gin and inch? Yeah, I don't like gin very much. That's not what you said last Wednesday. Yeah, but that's why I'm saying it now. If you gentlemen are quite finished, I would like to get this show on the road. Where'd my wife go? Is she really your wife? Or possibly someone else? Such as? Your identical half-sister. You're sicker than I thought. What the hell are you talking about? Was she not up for murder? Murder. Uh, yes, I suppose she was, but uh, she fled to far-off Europe and was never heard from again. Ah, you finally arrived. Oh, no. Uh, hi, honey, would you explain something to these clowns? They seem to think... Hey, Rick, take a look over there. I couldn't believe my eyes. Right in the middle of the basement room, the shrunken head appeared and was floating in midair. I reached for the basketball hoop that was in the corner, kicked off the backboard. I moved the hoop around the head like some bullshit David Copperfield magic show. No wires? Nope. My god, it's him. He's come back from the dead. You mean he looked like that when he was alive? I love shrunken heads. You can keep him anywhere. Oh, please don't hurt me. Norm, you all right? Ah, uh, I saw a bottle of Helsium with his name on it through the front door window before I went for that little tumble. Yeah, that stuff will do it every time. Shh. It's talking. I have come back from the beyond to collect my due. I left specific instructions when I passed on. I'm about to pass out. Have you brought my two sacrifices, my children? Yes. yes. I got a strange feeling. We're the ones who are supposed to be sacrificed. You don't sacrifice, man. Everyone knows that. Ah. 
I don't feel so good. You don't look so good. I hope it's not those two guys over there. Why, yes. Do you like them? Yes. Do you like them, oh evil master? I like the way he pointed at us with his little shrunken nose. I like the tuft of hair in the middle of his head pointing straight up there. Stylish. You brought me two men? Two men you brought me? I'm going to be the laughing stock of the whole netherworld. Do you understand that? I can't believe you brought me two men to sacrifice. Have you heard of virgins? How can he tell? I guess it's because we don't glow anymore. Have you heard of women? Have you heard of women? Usually we don't sacrifice men. It's not as upsetting to society. We at the Netherworld work on the premise that we are disturbing to humanity. Not, we'll kill a couple of men no one cares about. My mom would care. What? All right, she wouldn't miss me, but my, uh, my, my... My, my. Who the hell is my, my? You didn't leave specific enough instructions. My brain-thick, mutated progeny, I should never have entrusted you to do my unwholesome bidding. Why is he looking at us like that? Maybe he thinks he's doing us a favor, I don't know. Well, if we can't round up any other offerings to the netherworld, I guess they will have to do. I also made this trip for another reason. I need to know what happened to your identical half-twin sister. Oh, Daddy. I can't keep it a secret any longer. I'm the identical half-sister. Norman, you married your sister? And you were giving me a hard time all morning? No, I'm not married to my sister, you idiot. Yes, you are, my dear. I'm your identical half-sister. You see, I went to Europe, came back and posed as my sister. You see, our mother, Norman, had her fertilized egg split in half. One of them was put into another woman. Her name was Maud. Not our housekeeper when I was just a lad. You really don't have to go on. I'd love to find out the rest of this story. She left town right after the operation with all the money she was paid for her nine-month inconvenience. Not knowing that Maud had her fair share of troubles distinguishing between what was real and what was just in her brain caused me to have a dualistic twin complex which can't be cured by modern medicine. You might want to try leeches. I heard they're bringing him back to cure gangrene. Who told this dupe who's about to be sacrificed that he could speak directly to me? Who gave him that permission? Hmm? This little freak shrunken head is giving the orders around here? I don't think so. No, Vic, don't! Vic lunged at the rotten apple of a head, but if he left the ground, he was immobilized in midair. What? What happened? Netherworld beings require only a miniature head because they only need a small part of their brain to control their surroundings. Uh, occult mysticism 201? Yep. I think I was out for a smoke during that class. Man, what a mess. All right, you two. By this time, I the head was totally we have involved, no choice. things ready for the First, sacrifice. we have to get the sacred And all of a sudden, the head ball. started to grow bigger and bigger. I knew that a whole body would soon oh, be there. Christ, I, I made eye contact with Vic, who was still lying on the floor near the plywood backboard from the basketball room. I told him with my extraordinary method of facial expressions to toss it under the head, which now was growing shoulders. This, Once in a while, I Vic will do something on blind faith. I was hoping this was one of those Man, times. Indeed it was. He picked up the backboard and tossed it under the growing head and shoulders, which was still barking out orders to Norman and the psycho bitch. The head fell silent. Then began to move erratically and finally crashed down onto Vic, who was still lying on the floor. Norman screamed like I've never heard a man scream before, and hopefully will never hear again. He fainted, and I walked over to check out Vic, who had the weight of the huge noggin and shoulders on top of him. 
On the other side of the room, with split-second timing, Norman's wife disappeared through a hole in the wall that closed behind her and left no trace. I guess he should have stopped when he was ahead. Very funny. Get this thing off of me. After freeing Vic, we went over to find Norman, who was curled up into a ball in the corner of the room. Get up, Norm. You look like an idiot. Well, I feel like an idiot. How did you know that it was just a mechanical head? Mechanical heads was my minor in future detective work in PI school. And I had a feeling that there were anti-magnets in the floor and in the bottom of the head. Is that right? Yes, that's right. See? Anti-gravitational device. How lucky can one guy get? We have to find my wife. It's your sister, freak. I'll deal with you later, Vic. Now follow me. I know all the secret ways through this place. Vic and I did what he asked, and we followed him through this labyrinth. There were skeletons shackled to the walls, Man, and soon they were there more for show. Cobwebs, big, big spiders, lactating brains, Bobby Clark's four front teeth, and skinny mini Miller's roller skates, just to name a few. What a great place for it was a, a scene right out of a creepy, crawling movie. Oh, what a just then I stopped thing. as I felt something tapping my shoulder, and I knew I was not to be knighted by the Queen till next month. Looking over my shoulder, I noticed Vic holding a stick he must have found on the floor. Frick. Hey, where's Norm? Isn't he behind you? He was the one leading. He must have turned the corner there and disappeared. What's that up there? I found him. Here he is. Yeah, a lot better than the last time we saw him. Those limited edition Frank Zappa zircon encrusted tweezers implanted into his skull always do the trick. Hey, those tweezers are worth a lot of money. Don't pull them out. There's been a murder here. Murder. Would you stop that? What? Murder. Why? Does it annoy you? Would you just shut up and check his pockets for some cash so that I can at least get paid? You. I'm the hey, one. Hey, hey, hey. What else would you have been doing today? True enough. I'll just take the rings. I can deal with that. As we began to rummage through Norman's pockets, a blinding green light flashed in front of us. The ground started to shake and the walls began to tremble. The dust from the mortar held heavy in the air, making it hard to see. The vibrations became more violent as the old bricks began to fall to the ground. We took what we could from Norman's dead body and ran. Neither of us knew the right direction. The floor started to slip away behind us. The wall came tumbling down as we ran past. We turned a corner. Dead end. With the walls and floors deteriorating around us, Vic took out his flash, took a swig and passed it over. Here's to... Us. May they never forget my name. Hey, what the hell's going on? The wall's turning! We clung to the wall like a couple of hobos on a Mars bar. The wall did a 180 like a bookcase in an evil scientist laboratory. <laughs> and there was Norman and his wife on the other side laughing. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? Yeah! No need for pissing yourself, gents. Explanation, now! You two were the first to test a mind-altering drug that is dispersed through pain. Excuse me? When you're in pain, your brain releases a chemical to your body. When it's combined with an odorless chemical we had drifting in the air, it creates a horror-filled nightmare. It was all in your minds. We just helped it along a little. The images are real, but they couldn't hurt you. What was the deal with those whips? A uh, personal pleasure. I can deal with that. Hmm. But you're telling me that this was just a drugged out fantasy? Yep. Vic, is he telling me that this was just a doped up illusion? I believe so. So let me get this straight. This was some kind of spaced out pipe dream. Seems that way. A daydream, a whacked out nightmare. Basically. Concocted imagery brought on by hallucination. I speculate that to be true. So like we were tripping out? Bad trip, man. Bad 
trip. Why'd you pick us? We got your name, Brick, from this month's National Surveillance Magazine. And your associate, Vic, just happened to be there for the ride. How'd the chemical work on me? I wasn't tortured like Brick was. Ah, true, but when the bouncer at that illegal gambling establishment kicked the crap out of you... Got your ass kicked again, eh? No. It must have stimulated the right chemicals in your brain. In that case, Norman, you'll be needing one of these. Oh, well done. And as for you, Mrs. Rains... Give me a call sometime, doll. That part I enjoyed. Later. Yeah, much. Let's get this over with. Norman, I want the rest of the money and I never want to see you or your wife again. You did very well, considering. Considering what? Considering. Aw, oh, shut up. Vic walked over and punched Norman right in the <laughs> gut. Norman fell. We grabbed the rest of the dineros that we didn't snag when he thought he was dead and split. Expenses. We got into my car and drove to the Spider Goulash bar for some lunch. We ordered, ate, and shot the breeze. Buddy came over to collect the bill. I pulled out some cash we took from our old pal, Norman, and handed it over. Now, Brick, I put up with a lot of your crap, but counterfeit bills ain't one of them. What the hell are you talking about? Vic, is he saying that the cash we grabbed is counterfeit? I think he's telling you that the coin is corrupt. So he's suggesting the bread is bogus. That's what the man said. The moolah is a mock? The money's funny. So then the funds are phony. As a $300 bill. So that means... Will you two rockets shut your cake holes? Yeah, the $300 bill is bad enough. I realize how you might have gotten confused. It has the right face, but the picture of Betty Page tied up against a tree in a forest on the other side might have given it away. I see you're pretty sharp today, Brick, you jackass. Now, pay the bill. My drink's getting warm. I took out some real money and paid, buddy. Vic and I went back to the car and drove back to Norman's house to get some cold, hard cash. We were around the corner and Vic was still talking about the zircon-encrusted tweezers. We arrived, and the place was gone. Just dirt and more dirt where the joint was standing not one hour ago. We got out of the car and walked to where the pad would have been. We paced around in circles for a while, looking down in disbelief. This was the plane. Don't even say it. Who's buying? that the life-changing message that you're about to receive reveals how one can achieve a state of total demotivation. Listen, understand, and apply the philosophy and principles you're about to hear, and you too will be prepared to repel success, health, and happiness. Our speaker for this series of lectures is the leader of the beleaguered masses, king of the heartbroken, shepherd of the apathetic, lord of failure, the dawn of the damned, pontificator of pessimism, and our hedonistic leader. Please welcome our honored speaker and the man of our times, Dr. Gypsy Gunn. Right on. Welcome to the Throat Cutting Edge in Radio Theater. 
Today we have an excerpt from Three Days Street, a rusty barbed wire braid of a crime story filled with suspense, humor, and horror. We join the action as the cops are hot on the trail of a hardened criminal who we at Throat Cutting Theater are rooting for. Dispatch, this is car 27. We're in pursuit of the suspect in this morning's robbery homicide. Suspect heading west along Mutual Street at 21st Street. Suspect's on foot, carrying a black leather bag. He's probably got a gun. 10-4, all units, all units in the vicinity of Mutual on 21st. 27 is the suspect in 1047 robbery homicide. Suspect is being considered armed and dangerous. Stand by for description and claim. Dispatch. Suspect is male, Caucasian, approximately 35 years old. Six foot tall, 200 pounds, dirty blonde hair. Wearing blue jeans and green and yellow plaid shirt. Suspect still heading west on Mutual Street at 22nd. 10-4, all units. Stand by for suspect description. Suspect is male, Caucasian, approximately 35 years old. Tall, dirty blonde, hair wearing blue jeans, and green and yellow plaid shirt. Last seen heading west along Mutual Street at 22nd. All units in the area, please What do you think he's got in the bag, George? I don't know, Joe. Probably money. Crap. Too hot It's too early in the morning for this. Look at the traffic. No people sleep anymore. You think you'd get out of the way? No respect. God damn it! Too hot to be running for the pigs! Okay. Now we got him now. Dispatch, this is 27. Suspect has just entered alleyway south of Mutual, east of 23rd. We're in pursuit. Dispatch, where's the damn backup? I don't believe this! What happened to those bastards? Kill that Blake son of a bitch! Straight, right, or left? Up. Freeze, man! God damn it! Wrong choice. Dead end. No time to dump the wall. Uh, burn out car, or dumpster. Dumpster! Got a whole clip. Damn cops! Stop! Police! In your dreams! Joe, get over there and cover me. Right. You're surrounded. Give it up or I'll put a cap in your lily white ass. This ain't no episode of Shaft. Give it up, Flathead, and stop being a punk ass bitch. You're the bitch! Bitch! <laughs> Joe, behind you, they got reinforcements. Aw, oh, crap. Get the fuck out of here, man. What took you so long? Well, it's Flathead to get out of here. He's got back up and we got jacked. Head for cover. Can't win a war in two fronts. Just as gross. Blake, go for the cop's tire. Fuck that shit, man. I'm not doing those things for sure. Gotta make them stay. Tell me. Listen, Blake, you don't kill cops unless it's necessary. Why do I gotta tell you that every time? I don't believe this. Tell me that just didn't happen, Joe. I can't believe it myself, George. Sometimes I think someone's looking up from below and laughing. He ain't. Sure as shit's taking that to look at later. Right on. We went back to the spider goulash bar and drank heavily for the rest of the day.
singing jazz 24 hours a day. Non-stop singing jazz. Non-stop around the clock. 1010 FM. Singing jazz 24 hours a day.